0: But you know, and welcome to my new podcast, My Way of Thinking, or What for short, hosted by me, Lee Greeno, here live from the man cave every week. Now, My Way of Thinking is all about us, amazing human beings that all have a story to tell. Now, those stories can vary massively, but with the guests I'll be interviewing, you'll always be able to take a little bit of advice or insight into how extraordinary we can all be. Remember, there's only four rules on the podcast: number one, no bullshitting; number two, no judging; number three, no negativity. And for have some fun. Now, today I'm talking to Todd Sullivan. Todd Sullivan is an amazing character. He has travelled extensively to Korea. He's currently in Thailand. He's a writer. Uh, he grew up in America. He's just a real interesting character, and he comes up with some great insight today. And also, he likes extreme horror, which you'll pick up on as well when you're listening. So make sure you keep listening in. It's a cracking interview. Here we are, me and Todd Sullivan. Okay, so welcome to My Way of Thinking podcast
1: here with me, Lee Greeno, and today I have an awesome guest who's got a lot to tell us, and his name is Todd Sullivan. Hello, Todd.
2: Hey, how are you doing today?
1: I'm fine. How are you? What's the weather like there? Uh, actually,
2: it's been raining all day here. Oh, it's so? been, uh, yeah, like, you know, I didn't realize this before I came here, but Taipei has a lot of lightning storms, and I'm on the roof, so... <laughs> it's been been raining quite a lot here and lightning and stuff like that a lot of thunder
1: yeah is it humid there because it's the summer isn't it yeah it's been
2: really humid for the past like three months extremely humid
1: yeah just sweat i I don't think i could cope with that i mean here in the uk um oh just if people don't know you're in taiwan (laughs) if we didn't mention that Um, But here in the UK, it's either red hot, lovely day, or it's windy and rain. And it's pretty, it's one or the other, um, which can be quite annoying, but it's not humid, which is nice. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so thanks ever so much for coming on, Todd. Now, we've got loads to talk about. I always like to start the show with a couple of uh, funny clippets or news and things like that. And I thought, seeing as you're in Taiwan, we would do some interesting facts about Taiwan. Now, how long have you been there? Uh, I've been there almost 10 months. All right, okay. Well, I'll tell you these. These I've got five interesting facts, and you can tell me if you know anything about it or you've seen it. So, apparently, bubble tea has its origins in Taiwan. Now, what bubble tea? Have you had it?
2: You know, I have a friend here who got pretty upset at me a couple of months ago. I have never had bubble tea, <gasps> but you're right. It's a- It's extremely, extremely popular here, and she could not believe I've never had bubble tea, but I have never had it. No, I know what it looks like, and people have told me what it tastes like. Uh, They sell it everywhere, but I simply have never had the urge to try it.
1: (laughs) Well, there you go. There's your homework. Try some bubble tea. I don't think I'd like tea with something in it. It just doesn't seem right, does it, to have
2: I'm not a tea
1: person. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. There you go. I mean, I've got I drink a
2: lot of coffee, but i not drinking a lot of
1: tea. All oh, right. Well, apparently, they have things like uh, coconut jelly and stuff like that in it. And so I am interested, but we, it's it's not over, here, over the UK. I think they might have do it in a few places but i've never sort of come across it there you go right okay so the second fact you can drive around taiwan taiwan i keep saying taiwan taiwan in only eight hours it's so small you can drive around the whole island in eight hours um and there's some awe-inspiring nature natural wonders as you go around and historical sites have you seen any of that done any traveling around taiwan I have
2: the same friend I went to her hometown. So Taiwan is a relatively small um, island country. And she lived basically, I live at the north of Taiwan in Taipei. And she lived basically in the middle of a place called Yulin. It's pronounced incorrectly in English, but it's called yeah. Yulin. And then at the very end, is a place that's like Keishon or something that's also not pronounced correctly. And so I could definitely imagine if you start at Taipei, Start going around. I guess maybe you could get there in around eight hours. Um, it seems like it takes a long time for me to get around Taipei. Like usually when I'm working, it's like an yeah. hour and a half to almost two hours to get to places, and that's just in the Taipei area. Yeah. So going around the entire country in eight hours—that seems kind of amazing to me. But yeah. I guess it could be possible.
1: I suppose if you didn't have any traffic and everything was just nice and easy to, you know. That's without traffic. <laughs> well,
2: you know, and uh, important thing you need to remember about Taiwan is that mopeds and motorcycles are really big here. Yeah. And so maybe go on the moped, you can skip through traffic because, you know, you can just weave in between traffic so you're not really stopping. Yeah. I can imagine the moped, you could probably go around the country in eight hours because there's yeah. probably, with no traffic
1: you're going through or you're having to deal with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, right. Number three, you can take away your trash to the tune of Beethoven. Now, tell me if this is correct. Apparently, the trash truck comes around uh, every day to collect your rubbish and how people know it's there is it actually plays music as it comes along. Is that correct?
2: That is true. And that's one thing I don't like about Taiwan, actually. That's one of the few things I don't like about this country. So yeah. the... The trash cut- the trash uh trash truck comes around twice a day about twice a day past your house. you have to take out your trash and bring it downstairs. yeah, if you miss those two times, you have to keep your trash until the next day, yeah, and yeah, they play a song in order to let you know it's coming. you can usually hear it maybe about three blocks away, <laughs> but it actually is it's I've never had to deal with that in any other country, and it's kind of annoying because it's usually. For me, it comes at 3.30 when I'm at work, or around eight, or 8.50 when I'm just coming home. So almost every day, I almost miss it. So it's actually not very convenient, in all honesty. It's the one thing I don't particularly
1: like here. It annoys you. So when you hear that noise, it really annoys you when you hear that music.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's like it makes you think like a Pavlov dog response. I can hear it right now, actually. But it makes you think, try- <laughs> 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 See, I say, like, right now i'm doing this so i can't think out my trash so, they're, it's brain, like, you they're
1: brainwashing to... you they're brainwashing <laughs> you okay. yeah it's, it's kind of,
2: i'm not a fan
1: of it okay uh, now number four this is a real interesting one to me taiwan is on a mission uh, to become a single-use plastic-free country by 2030 the first steps to become a more eco-friendly nation will already be taken within the next few years uh, plastic straws gone. Major restaurants um have got rid of shopping bags and utensils and things like that. Have you seen any any of that in Taiwan?
2: I don't know how accurate that is. No, there's a lot of plastic here. So oh. I, yeah, uh, I've, I've seen plastic straws, plastic utensils, all the food. The prepared food comes in plastic trays. I mean, there's a lot of recycling here. There's a lot of recycling. Yeah. Uh, that's very big here because this is an island country so they don't have like a lot of space to just throw things away like dogs yeah. or something like uh, America or something but there's a lot of plastic here.
1: Um, yeah. So, so they're so. saying it but whether they're doing it is, is another thing.
2: Whether they do it, yeah, it's another thing but there is plastic here.
1: Okay. And then finally... Taiwan's beloved snack will make your nose fall off. It's hard on the nose, but easy on the tongue, apparently. Uh, this is how the popular Taiwanese snack was once described by an owner of a street food stand in Taiwan. Tofu uh, is fermented tofu as a strong, pungent odor, odor, and they say this, it smells like wet socks, uh, and the stink is so strong it can be smelled 300 meters away. Uh, And that's the reason it's sold on street markets instead of of restaurants. Have you had any stinky tofu? (laughs) Not to my knowledge. I've
2: had tofu here, but none of it that's really smell. However, there is a little stall outside that comes throughout the day. And there's something in that stall that smells really, really (laughs) bad. It does smell bad. But I always thought that was like a pork thing. I didn't realize it was tofu. It could be tofu, but yeah now I need to find out, but it does smell terrible, so does it, it could be. it's very popular, it's always crowded
1: yeah, yeah, it says it's marinated in brine for weeks, um and they have their own secret recipe recipe, uh but it's got fermented milk, oh it sounds awful, um uh, but yeah not more not more cup of tea <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, it could be it anyway, right there's that my five amazing facts which are probably all completely wrong. Uh, good old Google. Um, so that's enough of that rubbish. Right then, let's get on with you then, Todd. So tell us a bit about growing up and how you ended up in Taiwan, because I know you, you were um, from America, then you went to Korea. So tell us a little bit about your growing up and, and how things went.
2: So it's been like a really long journey. Like I'm from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, which is in America. It's in the south, southern portion of America. You I know, mean, America's a really big country. Yep. And I went from uh, New Orleans to a place called Atlanta in America. I was there for 10 years. I moved from New Orleans when I was 18. I was in Atlanta until I was 28. And then from Atlanta, I went to New York, which I'm sure all your audience knows, New York yeah. City. And I was there for three years. And I was living in New York. I was living in a place called Flushing, which is actually a Korean town. But there was no... That's not why I went to Korea. It was just kind of coincidence that I ended up in Flushing. And then after flushing, I was given my master of fine arts there. Uh, I got my bachelor's in Atlanta. And I moved to Korea, where I was for 10 years. And after Korea, I was looking for someplace new. So then I came here to Taiwan. And I've been here for about 10 months now. I came here last October. Yeah. So that's basically the progression of um, how I went from my hometown, New Orleans, to uh, here in Taiwan. And I started writing at a very young age. I mean, it's just something that I was always interested in. My brothers played Dungeons and Dragons, and they read comic books. My older sister was into horror. And so currently, my two novel series are fancy uh, and the horror.
1: Yeah, yeah. So when you were growing up then, were you always into traveling? You know, is it something you knew you'd do, you know, because some people will stay in the hometown for the rest of their lives, whereas you're always moving. Or is it something that just happened with work?
2: Maybe it's something that was just an inclination because I remember uh, the best time I ever had as a teenager was I did a, like a summer session program at Stanford University. It was like two months long, and in that period, uh, I met all these people from around the world. Like the, there were maybe, if there was maybe sixty people in the program, maybe about uh, six to ten were from America. The rest were from around the world. So I met people from Jordan, Kuwait, uh, Germany, Japan, China, Vietnam, Africa. So I met people from all around the world, and that was my standout experience as a, as a young person, as a teenager. So I just think that maybe. Knowing other cultures, meeting people from other cultures it's just like a just an inclination
1: that I have i don't know if it's yeah just an inclination that I have yeah, and do you think that you you use that in your writing sometimes I do
2: uh well I mean the two book series I have both take both take place in Korea uh because that's where I was when I was writing them for ten years, but if you look at the other stuff i've written, all of it has um and the, it's weird to say foreigner in America because we're such a diverse country, yeah. but it has a wide mix of people yeah. in the fiction written as I age throughout, the, throughout my lifetime.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Um, so you're writing, so you got into writing when you were younger. Did you write any books when you were in America, or is this something that you just started when you were in Korea?
2: I self-published a collection of short stories, poems, and novella called One Hour. But I've been writing since uh, I was quite young. Uh, sometime in elementary school, I probably started writing. And, but I didn't, get, I didn't get anything published until I was in Korea. So I got my first short story published at around 35, 36 years old. So it's been about maybe six or seven years since I've been publishing. But before I was living in Korea, I got nothing else published. So if that was your question, if anything was published before Korea, no. I got my first story published at like 35
1: yeah and so you did find you passed for you did fine arts when you did, when you went to college university in america what out what did you what did you want to become when you were you know when you were younger and you were thinking right i want to do this when i'm older did you have anything in your mind At first um
2: not really i mean you know as a child you go through like different ideas like a i think the doctor at one point that's what i was going to say that i stopped but i think the doctor <laughs> But then I found out how much you had to study in medical school and how hard medical school is. I was thinking a, you know, I actually went to Catholic school up until I was 18 years old. So like my elementary, I didn't do middle school, but the high school was a combination of both. We're all Catholic because yeah. this is New Orleans. For people who don't know in your audience, New Orleans is a very Catholic city. Yeah, uh, And so I was actually thinking of being a priest at a certain point yeah. in high school. But then I also found out that that was a lot of studying. They actually studied a lot of become a priest. And as you see, there's a trend there. And so maybe a doctor, a priest, at some point, maybe a police officer. But in the end, uh, writing was a thing I studied as a young person, as a very young kid, and kind of kept through the entire way. So that's basically what I'm doing now.
1: Yeah, and it's funny when you're younger how you, people will say, "Right, you need to know what you're going to do because you're going to college," and you know, and you are like, "How do you know? No, no one knows." You know, at that age, you, you know, you, you'll have maybe one person that says, "Yeah, I want to be a vet," and that's it. And luckily, you know, they go through life and they're a vet. But that's very rare. The majority of people and young kids you know don't know exactly what they want to do you know what i mean
2: yeah sure i mean i teach now and people bounce around i mean they bounce around because you change you change from you know when you're um i've taught from kindergarten elementary middle high school university adult and then so i've seen the different progression of different ages and yeah people in kindergarten change from elementary middle school high school university adult. so yeah you keep changing there's something that's usually a, a thread. Like you even with young kids, they seem like not seeing, Certain kids gravitate towards certain areas of interest. And that's definitely true. And that probably stays with them throughout their life and probably has an influence upon what they want to do as they get older. But yeah, I mean people change and what they want to do changes.
1: You gotta go. With the, you gotta go with the flow, ain't you really? I think, you know, I always say to my kids, you know, have a few options and a few hobbies and you know maybe one day something will click you know but I'll never say you need to have an idea of what you want to do now because it's just you know I think I agree. yeah I mean
2: just give them a buffet thing they can choose from and just see what they end up rolling with as they get older
1: yeah definitely definitely now so you moved away from America so, America, tell us a little bit about America. Obviously, you just said you were Catholic for a while. You've sort of come away from America. And, I mean, here, you know, the UK, we have our own problems. But it seems like there's quite a few problems in America at the minute. Uh, we're Mr. Trump. How how are you about going back to America? Do you think you'll ever go back? Or is it something you're glad you left? How do you feel about America? Uh, you
2: know, when I was in Korea, I probably went to back home maybe twice a year or something so I've been home quite a lot and between Korea and Taiwan I was at home for about two months but you know <clears throat> it's always what's portrayed in the news and then what the actual reality is tend to be quite different like my when I go home I stay with my parents and it's like a smaller or Suburban area outside of uh, Atlanta, which is like a big urban city. Yeah. And there, it's just very quiet. Uh, it's just, you know, people walking their dogs, going to work. Um, uh, it's very calm and quiet. So I have no problem going back to home because where I'm, where my home is, it's just very, I won't say uninteresting, but it's definitely nothing much going on. It's just a very suburban, quiet quiet area so yeah i guess it's different for me as a as an actual american knowing that there's just very simple simple places that exist throughout most of the country there's hot spots but then there's most of it's just very simple everyday life
1: yeah like you say we hear a lot a lot of it is media isn't it sometimes they hype things up because that's what sells you know no it's true so i mean then
2: they gotta talk about my parents area because my parents area is boring <laughs> and like when my when my brothers and sisters live they live right nearby and it's all just you know it's not very interesting to talk about but they will talk about the the stuff that gets attention i mean they, they want to hook people into watching so yeah that's basically what the focus more or less is when they do talk about different
1: places yeah yeah okay so that's america now let's talk about korea because i'm a big fan of korean cinema and korea and uh obviously you're in south korea i take it not north korea yeah
0: yeah. (laughs) um
1: so tell us what was it so when you first went there what was it like was it an eye-opener was were you amazed what was it like so
2: before I went to Korea, you know, in America we do have the perception of, uh, you know, I went as a teacher, so we have a perception of very high, high-level students and uh, very uh, strict educational system and things like that. But beyond that, I didn't really know anything about Korea. I knew the capital was Seoul, but I really didn't know anything about Korea. And so I went there to teach ESL, and I started off at a high school there's a bit of an eye opener because the high school has started that was a bit of a lower level high school. So it's very, it was almost typical in the way it was like the students who didn't really want to study that much students who had other interests, you know, the boys, all the men in, uh, in Korea have to go to the army so that's like uh, something that's ton- uh, on their mind a lot that they have to enlist. Uh, they have to enlist for about almost two years in career. What age,
1: what age do they have to go to go into the military? What age? So I
2: believe it's from the time they graduate. They could go right after they graduate from high school. So about 18 years old. And I think the maximum age might be 30. And they go a little bit
1: under two years. Wow. Wow. So what was that? So you say you were teaching ESL. What's ESL?
2: Uh, English is a second language. <laughs> now
1: nah, you've said it; it's obvious. So, um, so obviously, did you ever travel? Did you ever pop up to North Korea?
0: No,
2: the closest I came is the border. I went to a place called Gangneung, and that's actually uh, as far north, about as far north in South Korea as you can go before you get to. North Korea, there was a small little town that I went to, which is full of South Korean soldiers. Like that's where they actually train at. Uh, but that's as far as I got. So that was you could look through a little binoculars and see into North Korea. Uh, but I mean, you know, it's just trees. <laughs> that's all you can see is trees. There's no, not like not like anything changes because of uh, the human border that we've made of uh, you know South Korea and North Korea.
1: So it's nothing really interesting
2: to see about it, except, you know, nature. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's close I got to uh, North Korea. I was able to look into it.
1: Yeah. Now, South Korea, apparently, they're really ahead of the game, sort of technology wars and things like that. What what was that like when you went?
2: They are. You know, now that I'm here in Taiwan, you know, South Korea, uh, they used to brag about the fact that they are the most connected country, I believe. Like there's Wi-Fi basically everywhere. And I used to thought, well, you know, I, I have my phone. There was sometimes a spotty Wi-Fi, sometimes it was stronger. But not that here in Taiwan and when I went home to America, it is true. Like, it's very easy to get, like, a Wi-Fi signal in, uh, in South Korea. And they tend to be quite good signals. So that much is true. Uh, again, it just depends on where you go. There's a, there are rural areas where there's farms and, uh, you know, pastures. And there's not a lot of technology in these areas. They're very Uh, It's very rural, like a typical rural area. And then there's like big cities like uh, Seoul, Daegu, Busan. And if you're in the center of these cities, it's very, very modern, um, very high tech so again like everything else it just depends on where you are in this particular country what kind of experience you're gonna have
1: yeah 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 so um so you leave korea what was it like because you've been there a long time we did you were a bit sad to be leaving or did you were you looking forward to going to Taiwan?
2: i wasn't sad to leave no i was there for 10 years and that was long enough uh i like korea i want to go back to visit korea i actually studied the korean language for like three years so I'm actually functional in Korean. I can have limited conversations that sound very robotic, not like what we're doing now, but I can have limited conversations with people. But after 10 years, I, I was pretty burned out and I just wanted to go somewhere different. And Taiwan, I didn't particularly want to come to Taiwan. I just started sending out my resume to different countries. So I sent it out to uh, Mongolia, uh, Thailand, Cambodia, uh japan anyway uh hong kong yeah. and taiwan and taiwan had the best job offer so this is where i'm at <laughs> that's
1: it yeah. <laughs> there's no yeah and what were the people so um, what are the people like compared to sort of career in in taiwan sort of culturally what what's that like
2: so, in Korea, a, a very common phrase you first hear when you go there is uh, bali, bali," which means really, really fast. And so, in Korea, they like to do things really fast. They walk fast, they work fast. Uh, They're just like a very fast paced, aggressive attitude. Yeah. They're extremely laid back. Uh, yeah. it's, it's very, uh, they do not, like in Korea, when the train's coming, everyone's rushing to get to the train. Yeah. It's like everyone just moves at a very slow pace so that if the train is coming, you just, need, you just need to chill because you are not going to get past the people in order to get to the train. It's just very slow. Uh, it's very just not fast here. Places open late. Like you probably can't get breakfast until around 8.30 here. <laughs> uh, and then they close around 8.30. So usually they open from like 8.30 to 9 until like around 8.30 to 9. And then after that, most places are closed. Uh, and so... I kind of think of Taipei as like a big country town. It doesn't feel really like a city, even though it is a city. But it's very just slow, very slow here.
1: I bet that's quite nice, and it, going to that from being, you know, 100 mile an hour, going to, you know, Taipei and just being able to just collect your thoughts almost.
2: Yeah, it is very there's a lot of nature here and it's uh the air is very clean because everyone rides more paths and so the air is much cleaner here um there's a lot of animals here there's a lot of birds here uh a lot of different diverse wildlife so yeah i mean it's like a nice change of pace from the very fast pace of korea
1: yeah it's something i was, it's somewhere i've always fancied going i've never been to taiwan but it is what it is on the list so no doubt I will I will go there. It sounds good, nice and chilled out. Because it can be quite... Here in the UK, it can be quite stressful at times as well. You know, it's like you say. We, we have our um, rural areas and cities and towns. Um, but it can be quite stressful. It can be quite fast. And uh, sometimes you just want to relax, don't you? And just... As you get older it's like I don't need <laughs> this shit.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think this would be a great place to raise a family actually. Plus it's cheap here. And so yeah, yeah probably be a very nice, relaxed place to raise a family, in know, honestly.
1: Oh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Okay, right. Uh now let's talk about your books. So now so you've managed to get your books published and these are extreme horror. Tell us a bit about so you must have always liked that genre. Something must within you must have thought, Oh, I like that, I like vampires, I like horror. What 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 tell us a bit about the books.
2: Well, I have always liked vampires, but you know, to be honest, I'm not much of a horror fan. I don't really I, I find it hard to sit through horror movies. Uh, <laughs> very graphic and you know, that kind of stuff gets into my head and I see it very clearly. Yeah. I actually don't really love horror books. Um and so don't like vampires. I'm not really much of a horror horror person, but, you know, like the, the extreme horror book is really uh, about the vampires have really bad jobs. And that's basically what the book is about. It's about someone having a very bad job for the rest of eternity, like for the rest of, because you no know, vampires, don't really die. They're there forever. Yeah. And so well, that's basically the idea of the book. But the book has some very good, Graphic scenes in it, which makes it kind of extreme horror. So it can be very violent at certain points, and some of the things in it. So that makes it kind of the extreme horror aspect. But the book really is about having a very bad job.
1: Yeah, Hell, hell on earth having a bad job for the rest for, for the rest of eternity?
2: Basically, you're right. Yeah, you just you know these these vampires and they can't escape. You know, there's um, they can't escape their job. So yeah, it's basically that's it for them.
1: I, see, I like that idea and because I watched a film the other day. I watched lots of films. I'm a big film fan and I'm always watching films. Um, and I watched Old God on Netflix. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's um, Charlie Theron. Have you heard uh, of it? I haven't heard of it. Well, it, basically, it's about these uh, four or five assassins that are immortal and they can't die. Um, and, you know, and it's just about that torment of knowing You can never die. And they're just stuck in this, you know, it's quite haunting. Um, And the idea is brilliant. I mean, the movie I thought was crap. The idea is brilliant. And, I mean, Charlize Theron's stunning and she's great and everything she does. Um, And it was a shame because I thought they missed it a little bit because it was such a clever idea. Um, It was a shame it weren't a brilliant, brilliant film because, yeah, I – they, they say, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of positive things and interview people and there's one thing they say, you know, do something you love, um, do something you enjoy because to just do something you know, you only get one life, apparently. Um, and, you know, do something that you enjoy because, you know, it might not be the best money, but who cares? Uh, the worst thing you can do is, is, is go to a job for the rest of your life that you hate. It's, it must be awful, awful. Right, that's the thing about
2: it. you get stuck i mean that's the that's the that's where the real horror actually in butchers comes in that is that these people are actually stuck in something that they can't escape because you know they're, they're you, you know, anyway they not to give it away, but they are stuck in, they're stuck in something they can't escape, so that's the actual horror of the of the series
1: yeah is it so is it one book or is it, are you going to do a series of books or what what is it so
2: the first one butchers came out last November, I believe. The second one, The Great Man, Smoking Shadows, came out maybe about a month and a half ago now. And the third one, which would be called Chingu, is going to come out in 2021. I haven't actually written that one yet, but that's going to be the third one.
1: So is there there a number of characters or one character you follow, or, or is it different characters?
2: Well, it's more, there are characters that you follow throughout the series, but I suppose the, the thing that glues it all together is the actual job. That's the thing that, like, so these different characters that have to deal with this job, and
1: that's what, basically,
2: that's, if that's kind of the character that stays on the entire series, is the job itself.
1: Yeah, 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 right. I like that. I like the sound of it. I've got to, uh, I must definitely have a, have a read. Now, um, so you say extreme horror, Give, can you give us an example? Give me an example of something that happens that's awful. <laughs> Come on. Uh, I I mean, you know, those kind of questions, I just
2: prefer I, – I write for a reason because, you know, explaining things in person, especially no. like that, and then you read it, the, the feeling I already know from experience, honestly, is going to be quite different. So no. just read it. Read it, and you will see the the horror of but me explain it, yeah. If 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 a if a never ending dead job isn't enough, I think that should be horror horror enough. You know, just imagine that. Imagine your worst job.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah.
2: It going on for not a year, not ten years, not hundred years, but just you know, on and on and on. Yeah, and
1: sure. that's
2: keep that in mind. And, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Okay, now um, we spoke about Korean cinema because I love extreme horror, horror and cinema and Korean cinema um, and obviously you've seen a few of the Korean films and we both, one of my top favourite films is Old Boy which you mentioned and what a film that is. I remember when I first watched that and I was just like, I, after I'd finished watching it, I was just, I could, I, when, when you watch a film that great, you're just trying to compose yourself and think what, you, what you'd just seen. Um, what what did you think of it
2: well you know I went to Boy with absolutely no idea what this movie is about Uh, this is my first Korean movie I've ever seen wow and never seen anything like it even though you know funny enough it's actually was first a Japanese manga it's like a Japanese graphic novel and then Korea made a, a movie of it but yeah I had no idea about this and you know, as I'm watching it, I'm just trying to understand what it is that I'm watching. Because, you know, there's this guy who, he's like, he's like, um, he's a jerk, basically. And then he kind of gets kidnapped, being just locked in this hotel, in this room for all these years. I'm just trying to figure it out. So for me, it was a very, an experience that began kind of strange, became extremely strange as it went off. And then veered into this really disturbing ending and not to give away to people who haven't actually seen it it. but just yeah it starts off a bit unsettling it becomes just strange 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 it just becomes goes from strange to disturbing i guess (laughs) what was that ending
1: yeah it's just it's just an awesome film um and I love the scene with the hammer as well. That was all done in one take uh, where he fights for people that haven't seen it. He basically goes down a corridor, a small corridor, and fights a load of people with a hammer. And it's absolutely stunning how they, how they film that. I mean, uh, it's Champ Park, uh, Wook, the director, who I love all his films. Um, and when I saw that, I just thought that was stunning. And did you know they made an American remake? I did. I
2: actually did see the American remake. Um, I enjoyed it. Like, I know people didn't enjoy it, but I actually did enjoy it. You know, the funny thing about Old oh Boy is that it's not, I've talked to many Koreans about it because since when I went to Korea, it's basically the only thing about Korea that I knew was Old oh Boy. Uh, I haven't seen many people who are very, who like that movie all that much, actually. Maybe it's because so many Westerners, that's the first thing they ask them about is have they seen Oboe? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but yeah, I mean, I didn't, like, I loved it. And the Westerners I know loved it. But the Koreans I know didn't. Like, they yeah. know it was okay. Yeah. Okay movie.
1: Well, that, that actually, obviously, we've got the new Korean film now, Parasite. Have you seen that?
2: I haven't. I've seen Train
1: to Busan, but I have not seen Parasite. Yeah, Train to Busan's brilliant, but Parasite is another level. And I think the Korean people are going to be sick of people, of course, because it won you know, the Oscar and did so well. I mean, it's just a masterpiece. If you, if you get a chance, definitely watch that. It's, it's stunning. Yeah,
2: it's on Netflix. I don't know why I haven't watched it, but yeah, I should definitely watch
1: it. Yeah, it's very good. Okay, so we've talked about uh, your writing. Um, what are you up to next? So is it just your next book? Obviously, you're teaching there. Is it just your next book that you're concentrating on?
2: Right. So I just finished, so I have like an extreme horror series and also a fantasy series. I just finished the first draft of the third book in the fantasy series. Uh, And so right now, I'm actually revising and editing that and that should come out sometimes in 2021. So maybe in four or five months, I suppose that should probably come out. And then after that, um right now I'm collaborating with this guy that I make here on um it's kind of use he's from Nigeria. And we're using Nigerian mythos to kind of create basically like a superhero style type um graphic novel web series. So that's actually we're doing that right now, and that's basically what I've been into in the past
1: three or four weeks. Ah, sounds interesting. Now, what do you get up to in your spare time? Have you got any hobbies out there or or, or that you do that you've been doing?
2: No, you know, COVID-19 has kind of made that kind of stuff difficult. When I was in Korea, I did a martial arts called Kendo, which is a sword fight. You use sword fighting with bamboo swords. And I did that for nine years, but, uh, I was going to do it when I came here, but, uh, you know, Ken knows a very close martial arts and during COVID-19, close is not what you're supposed to be. And, you know, I I came here last October, COVID-19 in Taiwan started around January. And so I haven't really done very much uh, from January up until basically now.
1: Yeah, it's been a nightmare. What's it been like there with COVID and everything?
2: It's been strange, like everyone else. I mean, you know, um, it's not, we, they tackled it a lot faster than other countries, and so it didn't really get off control like it did in different places. But still, you know, it's it's not as fun doing anything when you worry about, you know, someone coughing next to you, or, you know, people are having to wash their hands constantly or constantly having to use the, the alcohol in their hands, and all of this kind of puts a damper on basically everything.
1: It's strange, isn't it? Strange times. Yes, it it's
2: not. It's not as fun as it was, like in 2019. That's for sure.
1: It may, It makes you think. Uh, is there divine? In, you know, is it something that uh, you know divine intervention? Because things were maybe escalating, getting out of hand. Whereas this, it doesn't matter who you are or how much money you've got. You know, it's sort of a leveler. It's quite, it's quite strange, isn't it? You know, no one can escape it.
2: This is true. Uh, COVID nineteen. I don't know if this has happened before, but there, it touches everyone. There's no one like you could be a president, a prime minister. You could be someone who's, you know, not a president, a prime minister, but still, like, there's no, no one. I think on planet Earth was unaffected has been unaffected by COVID nineteen. It's just. Because it's a germ, it's an it's a illness or a virus. But anyway, so it spreads, it can spread everywhere. So everyone has to be um, conscious of it.
1: Yeah, it's strange, strange. Okay, so um, any advice? So if people wanted to become a writer or, you know, maybe traveling or anything like that, what sort of advice do you reckon you could give them, Tom? What do you think is important?
2: Uh, if you want to be successful as, a, as an author become more successful at early age, write a lot, but as soon as you can, start cultivating context. Context is really important. So write often and cultivate context. Uh, If you want to travel, I mean, just travel, I don't know about COVID-19 now, but if you want to teach somewhere, I think if you want to live and work somewhere, if you're a Westerner, teaching English is probably the best way. And so do that. You can actually go to – all these countries have English academies, uh, English – they need English teachers. And all you need is a bachelor's in order to do it. You get paid the last amount. But that's a way to actually move to a different country live there for a year or two and then move somewhere else. And So it's a very convenient way of traveling around the world.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. And as far as – I mean, really, what – you've already said this about your writing of your book is, you know – Staying in a job that you hate for the rest of your life, I suppose the key's there, isn't it? Keep, you know, if you want to write, right, put the work in um, and hopefully it should, you know, you should get some success.
2: Hopefully, that, that is the hope. I mean, that's it's very difficult, but I guess if you stick with it long enough, you will obtain some measure of success.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean because I'm a filmmaker, so it's exactly the same for me. You know, you'll make short films, you'll make feature films. Um, you're constantly striving, um, but you don't get paid for Well, I don't get paid for it. And, you know, you're just trying to get to a level where you actually one day can do it as a job and get paid well for it. Um, but I suppose that's all about the journey, isn't it? If it happened straight away, no one would be trying to do it.
2: Right, yeah. I mean, it, it if it was easy, everyone would do it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely a a grind
1: i put it there was a grind yeah now when i have uh, any guests on i always ask them about a favorite because um i think it's interesting it can be a book it can be a food it can be a film um, but something that is accessible to everyone so if someone listens to this and you say this is your favorite they can go and and try it or or read it uh have you thought about a favorite you'd like to tell us about yeah, the
2: first thing that popped in my head when I started this was actually, I'm currently rereading for maybe the fourth or fifth time, 1984, which actually takes place in the UK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and that's actually on Kindle Unlimited. That's actually where I'm reading it because it's free. So, yeah, anyone who has Kindle Unlimited, if you have Kindle Unlimited, go try 1984. If you haven't read it yet, uh, try it. It's actually a really, really good book, very engaging book.
1: Yeah, I've never, I've never read it. it. Was it made into a film? It was made into the film, wasn't it?
2: It was. It was made into a film quite a long time ago.
1: Yeah, that's a great shot, that is. Oh, who was it written by? Can you remember? Uh, Orson,
2: Orson Welles, I believe. Let me check really fast. It's a depressing book. I mean, just, you know, keep that in mind. It's, it's not <laughs>
1: a happy, <like> George <laughs> George It was Orson Welles. Yeah, it was Orson Welles. It was no, a George,
2: George Orwell. But yeah, it's a depressing book, so don't don't go into it looking to be if you feel depressed on covid you might want to think about it but yeah it's a
1: <laughs> but yeah i mean you know yeah i mean the thing is there are sometimes there are harder books to read than others i suppose the key is Having sort of, uh, you know, if you're going to read a hard book, then you read an easier book. I suppose it's sort of everything in moderation because um, it's the same with films, isn't it? You watch a comedy, you watch a horror, you know, it's it's exactly the same kind of thing. But that's a really good shot. I will read that book, 1984, and it's free on Kindle. On
2: oh, Kindle Unlimited. So on Kindle Unlimited, it's free, yeah. So definitely, and it's not very long, and it's just extremely good book.
1: Oh, brilliant, brilliant stuff. Now, if people want to buy your book uh, or get in contact and things like that, can you tell us where, where your book's available and, and if people can get in touch with you?
2: So every country from Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, Thailand, they have an Amazon version. But the easiest way to get it is on Amazon. So if no matter what country you're in, if you go to Amazon, that's the easiest way to get it. And it's also the most reliable but whenever country you're in, your country's going to have an Amazon version. And you should be able to get on that also.
1: Yeah. And what's, which book would you um, recommend? The first one, Butchers?
2: Right. For the uh, horror one, I would recommend Butchers. Uh, and for the fancy one, the first one's called Hollow Men. So it just depends on your taste. Uh, the horror one's extreme horror, so keep that in mind. The fancy one is probably for people who are teenagers and older so like maybe 13 14 and older so it's
1: just about for anyone right well i'm gonna be reading butchers <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let
2: me, if you read let me know what you think yeah
1: you think. of course definitely definitely uh, now is there anything else you'd like to talk about or anything you'd like to finish on todd before we finish
2: I want to thank you for allowing me to come on today. It's been a really fun conversation. And, you know, I really appreciate you giving me this time to basically talk.
1: No, that's fine. That's fine. Thank you for giving me the time to talk to you and get you on. Such a, you know, such an interesting journey you've been on. um, And I really look forward to reading the book. When you write your next book, then make sure you come back on. um, And hopefully by that time, you know, the podcast will be through the, the stratosphere. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, i definitely come on again definitely and we'll see where next time you come on you'll probably be living in japan or somewhere else
2: <laughs> hopefully i mean i plan on moving as soon as covid dies down i do plan on moving again so i'll let you know where i'm at then
1: definitely you make sure you keep in touch well thanks ever so much for coming on um todd and i will speak to you
0: soon all
2: right thank you thanks again
0: So that's it. A massive thanks again to Todd Sullivan for joining me today and also for you for listening. Uh, Make sure you follow the podcast because coming up over the next months, there are some extraordinary interviews. The podcast will be streaming on the usual platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. So please leave a rating on there and subscribe. It is important. Uh, And to keep up to date or message me, follow Facebook, which is my way of thinking podcast and also Twitter, which is my way of thinking with a three on the end instead of a G, long story. <laughs> now nah, um, also every week I've lost my train of thought then. I'll put a preview of the conversation on YouTube, sort of a 10-minute preview, uh, which is my way of thinking podcast. If you put that on YouTube, please like and subscribe that as well and you'll see a little bit of a preview a bit of a preview and my beautiful face of the show. Until next time, God bless and take care. Ah! Uh-huh.